0: In my notes, but I'm just going to leave a little groundwork. This is when Jesus is preparing his disciples to go out for the first time out on their own. Uh, they've been around him and they've seen him do some works and miracles, seen him save some people and things, but uh, verse 1 here of chapter 10 says, and when he called unto him, and when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave them this power and then he sent them out. Like Luke ten nineteen says to us, I give unto you true power, true authority. Right? To smash vipers and scorpions under your feet. That's my favorite scripture. To walk all over the power of the enemy and nothing by any means hurt you. So, so we're going we're skipping to Luke 1019 19. He he sent his disciples out to do all these things, give them all these instructions. Don't take anything with you. Don't take any money with you. Don't take a spare change of clothes with you. Don't take anything to trade with you. Don't take any food with you. Get what he's saying here? He's saying to rely on him. Rely on God for all that we do. Go there lay hands on him. Pray for them. I can lay hands on someone and pray for them, they'd be healed. Guess what? You can do the same thing. We're all disciples. It doesn't say it's not my hands laying on them. And it's not my prayer that heals them anyway. It's God that heals them. We need to rely on God to do these things. And I think this message goes right along. With Easter, This one here kind of kicks us in the pants a little bit, steps on our toes a little bit, to get us prepared on how to handle for Easter and how to get out and, and invite people in for Easter. 37 says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Think about that. If you love your mom or dad more than Jesus, you're not worthy of him. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So if you love your parents or your kids more, you're not worthy of him. If you love anything. Put anything before him. And I don't think that just means, that in another verse that says, if you hate, if you don't hate your mother and father, you can't follow me. No, in verse 37, the Amplified it says, takes more pleasure in. Think about a lot of the things we do to please our parents, or to please our kids. Would we kind of bend the rules of the Bible a little bit if our parents didn't really agree with us? Maybe our parents a little bit overbearing, some of us. Not, yeah. You get where i saying that. Sometimes we, some people, have influence in our lives though, and we don't put God first in those things, in those relationships. We may not live exactly the way we should live in front of those people. We may bend or sway a little bit away from the way Jesus taught us to act or the way Jesus taught us to live. It's not just about words; it's about actions. Yeah. And it's not just about when we're in church; it's about all the time. Not just when it's convenient, but every time, all the time. Um, verse 38 says and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me the amplified says takes up his cross and follow me cleave steadfastly where else do we see that cleave word in the bible anybody know it's with the, it says a man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife they are one after that the bible speaks of a married couple being one If you think about that, if you're cleaving to your cross and cleaving to the things you're supposed to be doing, and it doesn't mean dying on the cross, it could be a physical death. You may have to suffer a physical death, like these people here did in the in the in the school or what was the school that they were in that they came in and killed them all. They were picking up their cross. They cleaved to that to the bitter end. They got killed over it. But it could just be, you know, I don't want to say that to my sister or my brother because well they'll make fun of me guess what if you don't say it and they wind up in hell yeah now what would you rather them somebody make fun of you or you take a chance on someone making fun of you because you're bleached because you're cleaved to your cross and see your family maybe come to heaven with you or when you're standing up there in hell and you can see them across the great chasm and they're down there burning how do you feel about that would you rather t- take them making make a little bit of fun of you or or you know i don't think any of us have anything to complain about So you have to hang on the cross. None of us were asked to hang on the cross. He's asked us to do small things. Pick up the cross. Go against the grain a little bit. And tell my people. He asked Peter three times, didn't he? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than them? Do you love me, Peter? And every time Peter said, yeah, he got offended by it. And then what happened? He said, then feed my sheep. Tell them my word. And you may not be a preacher. You may say, I'm not a preacher in any way. But you are, and I'm going to prove that to you here in just a little bit. You're all preachers. If you can hear my voice, if you call me your pastor, if you say you're saved, you're a preacher. You're in the ministry. And I have scripture to back it up. It's not just some crazy ball head of me telling you this. Um, the Bible says without murmuring complaining. My pastor brought out the other night. He said, do you think there's a service that ever goes by that someone doesn't complain about something? <laughs> no, I don't. I hear complaints all the time. The Bible says we're supposed to be doing these things without murmuring and complaining. Why can't we just get on in the same mind and the same accord? Just as they were in the upper room when they were all filled, it says suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Ghost and fire came through the place, filled everywhere. It filled everyone, and gave even Peter, who was a, a timid man, gave him boldness, gave him boldness because the Spirit of God came onto him and caused him to speak into it in a heavenly language. And I'm not saying you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe you are I believe you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you from the moment you're saved, from the moment you ask God to live inside of you. But we're talking about filled with the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It does something to a man. And it gives you a boldness where you can go out and say whatever God wants you to say. And I'll give you an example of this, of being bold. When I was a newer Christian than I am now, I work at Ford Motor Company, and some of you know how it is there on the line. And God was dealing with me about raising my hands and praising him there. And that doesn't seem like a big deal in this setting, right? Go there and raise your hands up. We'll find out how bold you are. And he kept calling me out on it Day after day, he called me, and I'd slip him up. Look around. Anybody looking? Anybody watching? We're talking about having a boldness there, a holy boldness. And pretty soon, I could throw my hands up, and I didn't care. After I did it enough, after you face your fears enough times... They won't bother you anymore. You'll overcome those fears. Um, so we're supposed to do all these things without murmuring and complaining. Verse 39 says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I say, preacher, what's that talking about there? You're saying i got to give my life up for God? i got to die a physical death to find life in God? That's not what he's talking about there. It could wind up and you die in a physical death. It could mean that in certain situations. More than likely, it's going to mean that you're going to give up the things that you might want to do. The things It says, I believe it means to surrender. Surrender all, all the time, not just sometimes. Uh, give up everything to sacrifice. You know, a lot of times I might would rather just go home and kick my feet up and hang out with my family. And I'm not saying this to say, look at me. But instead of that, I have to come get a message ready. I have to come spend time with God to keep myself fresh in the word of God because I can't just keep bringing the same thing week after week, can I? That's a sacrifice. We all need to be making sacrifices. Anytime God says, if he says, hey, Crystal, (laughs) tell that waitress today that God loves her. Tell her that God loves her. Or tell the man at the gas station God loves him. Or walk up and give someone a hug, Mom. If God tells you to do that, you better do it. You need to do that thing. Hey, invite someone to the Easter Sunday for the service. We should have been working on them already, but it's not too late, We can still invite someone. If God quickens you to do that, I pray every day, Lord, would you please use me today? Send someone my way whose heart's softened, who are ready to hear your word. Someone may even be broken. They're ready to hear your word, and then quicken me. Whenever they come to me, or whenever they pass by my way, give me your word. When my mouth opens, let your words come out. Speak to them through me, Lord. Just use me. That's a prayer you could pray if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to swim upstream a little bit, if you're willing to pick up your cross and bear it. Jesus says if we're not picking up that cross and we're not telling people about him, we're not worthy of him. We're not doing the things he asks us to do. We're not worthy of him. That means you have to surrender everything to God to lose your life. That means you're not getting to do the things that you might choose today to do on this world, on this planet. But you're going to gain your life in heaven. Are you following me? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So we have to surrender everything. And I'm not making it about... It's not all just sacrifice. and It's not all drab. And it's not all bad. There's things that go along with that. When you sacrifice everything for God, there's peace that goes along with it that's without understanding. A peace that you can have in no other way. When everything's going wrong, at your job, at your house, with your family, when everything seems to be going wrong, you still have a peace and a joy. A contentment that no one else can understand. They don't get it. It surpasses understanding. That's why it says that it surpasses understanding. Because it, it, we can't understand in our natural mind. We just can't get it. People around you will not understand why you're still whistling a tune when everything around you is going wrong. Your whole world looks like it's in in the natural. But you know you have peace in God. I have my God to lean on. That my God is dependable all the time. He's always there for me every time. I don't have to doubt it. I don't have to wonder if he's going to be there. He's going to be there. He's already there. He already knows what's going to happen today. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And he's already there waiting on me. We're just right where I'm going to need him at. And when you know that and you have it all to him and you're doing his work, you'll have that. You'll have that contentment. You'll also <laughs> prosper. You'll prosper when other people aren't prospering. You'll prosper beyond your means. Let me tell you this from personal experience. Just a few years ago, three or four years ago, I didn't have hardly anything. I'd lost everything because I'd been in trouble trying to do it. God had called me to preach, but I ran from that call, and I ran from it, and I stayed away from church, and I tried to do it my way, and I got in trouble more than one way, and I lost about everything I had. I had to sell my things and stuff to get out of legal trouble. Right? You follow me? In just a few short years... God has blessed me spiritually first and foremost. He's changed my life completely around. I'm a new creation. He's changed me completely around. A lot of you all can relate to that. You're doing the same things. He's given me a job. He's brought me, hey, I got my first check this week in 20 years. I didn't have child support. Woo! <laughs> 20 years I've been waiting on that. But when I came to God, you know, he blessed me. He may have said that was going to happen anyway, but it could have dragged out another year and a half. Yeah. You know, God blessed me. God, I mean, he's given us cars, trucks, boats. I mean, He blessed us spiritually. He's blessed us physically. He's given me a family. Another baby. Another baby. Another baby on the way. That's a blessing. I love all my babies, but I'm ready. We need to stop. <laughs> anyway, uh, you get what I'm saying. He'll bless you, and you'll have contentment. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. Uh, my next scripture is 2 Corinthians. Second, This is talking about still... Given all for God. 2 Corinthians 17 through 21. I'm going to not read it in order, though. I'm going to jump around here a little bit. So bear with me. 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Old things are passed away, and all things are new. A brand new creature. A brand new creature. We have to believe this out of ourselves, though. Sometimes we have to let people be a new creature. When they're saved, we can't throw the past up at them. We can't say, remember this, remember that, remember that. And also, if it's us that's a new creature, we have to be ourselves. We have to let ourselves be a new creature. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. We can't bring up the past all the time, whether it's positive or negative, or the way we think it's positive, bringing up the past and the things we did not be chuckling about them. If I'm a new creature and I'm in Christ, those old things shouldn't be that funny to me anymore. They shouldn't be glamorous to me anymore. I shouldn't be looking at those things like they're a positive thing. I should be changing my mind, letting the Spirit of God speak to my spirit and change my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, change my mind. You get what I'm saying here, right? Yeah. We should look different. Our, our lives, and I get it, if you got saved yesterday or last week, you're not going to change that fast. But in six months from now, you should be different. Even next week, there should be some, There should be a little difference with you. But six months, you should be different. And a year, there should be a lot of difference. It took me a year to quit customs when I came to Christ, because that stuff was so ingrained in me for 35 years or whatever it was, that stuff was so ingrained into me that it took a long time to get that out of my heart. It says, the Bible says, out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It took a while for that to all that stuff to get out of me. I had to keep putting good into me. What would happen if I'd kept hanging out in environments where there's people cussing all the time? What do you think would happen? That wouldn't have came out of me. It wouldn't have parted from me. Because I'd have been putting in, if I was putting a little dirt in the water... And then some clean water a little dirty in it, the water's going to stay dirty. You get what I'm saying? You're going to be filled with something. And if you're playing around and dabbling in the old stuff and you're dabbling in the new stuff, it ain't going to work for you. It's, you're not going to get the results you plan on having. You're going to have to get in the Word of God. You're going to have to live in the Word of God. Eat it, breathe it, drink it, talk about it, hang out with other Christians. That's why the Bible says, fail not to assemble yourselves. You need this fellowship here. You need to come with other people who are like-minded. You can't get the fellowship you need on your job. You can't get the fellowship you need at the bar. You can't get the fellowship you need at your household unless they're Christians there. But they're Christians at my household, and I still need the fellowship with you all. We need people of like faith. We have to get that word into us and get hungry for it, thirsty for it. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst for my word, what does it say about it? They shall be filled. If you're hungry and you're thirsting, and we're reaching out for God, he can reach a lot further than we can. <clears throat> verse 21, let am going to skip down to verse 21. It says, for he has made him to be sin for us. Talking about God as he, the first he. Him is, God made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be, that we might be made the righteousness of him, of God in him. So he made Jesus sin. He was perfect in every way, right? And we weren't. We were sin. We were imperfect in every way. He made Jesus our sin, and he put our righteousness. We're in his righteousness. We live in his righteousness. How perfect is that? I like to call this the great exchange. Most people, speaking about unchurched people, your unchurched friends, the people you work with that are unchurched, Unchurch is not a good word. That are not Christians. True followers of Christ, not Christians of this world, has begun to be deemed as Christians. People who will tell you they're a Christian and then tell you a dirty joke in the next sentence. Or people who will, you get what I'm saying, there's all kinds of these people out there. People that say they believe in the Bible, they don't know what the Bible says, and they're telling you all kinds of garbage that the Bible says. That's not, it doesn't go along with the Bible. Does that make sense to you? These type of Christians, I'm not talking about those. Most people don't know true Christians outside of true Christians. Most people don't know what giving their life to Jesus really means. Does that makes sense. I talk to people all the time. They say, "I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to talk to God. How do I get saved? What's it mean? What's it mean anyway? And and what do I do if I do come to God?" They think they have to have some big formal thing, some big formal prayer and they've got to be wearing a suit to talk to God and it's not like that at all. He made each one of us just the way we are. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to have a relationship with me. And he <coughs> wants us to go out and tell people about him. Because I can reach people like me. And you can reach people like you. And Caleb's gonna reach people like him. You get what I'm saying? We each we each draw people that are like us. And if people don't even know what being what uh, Giving the life to God with a need means they have ideology ideology in their head they have some ideas that were taught by preachers who a lot of them or people who were churched under people who don't follow the Bible exactly that's where this stuff starts at I'm not trying to talk down on people but this is how it happens they're taught by ignorant people a lot of them are not saying ignorant in, in a negative way but ignorant that they don't know any better a lot of the world just doesn't know any better are you following me this? is that too bold for you? And they have religion in their head. They have a religion that they grew up with when they were a kid. And I've heard a lot of people talk about they went to a Catholic thing and they saw the priest drinking and all that stuff, so they have no respect in it. You know, Christians, people who call themselves Christians, have given the church a black eye for generations now. Go out and call yourself a Christian. You come to church, call yourself a Christian, and then you go out and you live like hell. And what do they think of the Church. What do they think of the church when they see you living that way? You're God's God's, uh, example to the world. Um, 18 says, And all things of God, who hath reconciled us to him, to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, get this right here, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're all in the ministry there, that says, right? He reconciled me to him, he reconciled you to him in Greenwood, and then he put you in the ministry to reconcile other people. To tell them about what he did for you. About how he changed your life. About how things started looking up when you came to him. Not to get, you know, get in their ways and then fall back to it. you got to keep in this thing. Reconciliation in the, Am- the Amplified says about this, by word and by deed. So our words and our action are speaking to people all the time. Whether you believe it or not, they're watching you. They're watching you. Verse 19 says, To wit that God was in Christ reconciled the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the world of reconciliation. Does that make sense to you? He hasn't imputed the trespasses unto you, so he doesn't hold those things against you anymore. It could be very easy for a God who's perfect to hold things against us. Think about how we do people. Think about how you do people. Maybe in the last in the in the recent history. You know someone did this wrong so you hold it against them or someone will tell you that someone did this or this or that and you hold that against them you already have your opinion formed before you talk to that person think about this on easter sunday we're gonna have people come in here maybe addicts maybe who who knows what they are maybe they were in the prostitution you can't hold that against them that's what he's saying here god didn't hold it against them who are you god didn't call us to be in judgment of anyone else He called us to be forgiven. He called us to be reconciled with him and to tell other people about this reconciliation so that they may be reconciled with him. He didn't call us just to tell them about it, but he called us also in our actions to show us, to show them love. When people come in this door, shake their hand, talk to them. Genuinely talk to them. Take the time to get to know them. You may not on the first service, but if you you put a little time in these people, you get what I'm saying? If you put a little time into them, maybe they'll come back. And we'll give it another opportunity to put a little more into them. Verse 19, oh, verse 20 says, Now when we are, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's big right there. An ambassador for Christ. I'm going to come back to that. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So we can pray for him, he's saying here. You can pray for people all the time. Pray for the ones. If you know someone's living in sin, not that you're judging them, not that you think you're any better than they are, but you can, you, can, you can see the fruits that come out of people's lives. You know who's not living right. Pray for that person. Ask God to soften them up. Pray for them for a period. Get you a call. Them, maybe they can be your prayer project. Spend a period of time, a month, two months, six months, and then approach the people, and then talk to them about what God's done for me. And you can tell them, you know, God's already forgiven you. He has. It says he's already reconciled them. He already reconciled all of us. He already dealt with sin when Jesus died on the cross. We have to accept it. That's all you have to do is accept it. You get this? Sunday is going to be a big deal for this. There's going to be people here that may. This may be the last chance they get to hear about God. This may be get the last. This may be the last time they get to hear about what Jesus did for them. We're in the last of the last days. If we're not living this, you need to get right. You need to get right tonight. Don't leave this building until you are right. Because Jesus can step out of the cloud at any time. It says a twinkling of an eye. It's a split second. Bam. It's over. There's no more time to repent. There's no more time for nothing. If we're not living right, if we're not doing the things we should be doing, if he gives us a direct order and we're not doing it, to me that means it's a sin. And if I'm not doing the things he's telling me to do, I'm on my way to hell. You might possibly be on your way to hell, even though you're sitting in this pew that's not or this chair that's not going to get you there. It's about having a relationship with them. Church, we need to check ourselves daily. Daily, we need to make sure we're right with God. Without that, this is all could be just a waste of time. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. If we if we come in here and we and we do this church thing and we go out and we live the wrong way or we don't take it seriously or we get content in it all. If we just think, well, I'm good enough now, I changed a little bit, you know, and I, I, I did this and this, and God blessed me a little bit, and it looks like my life's turning around so I'm content, the next thing you know, you'll be falling away. Reconciliation, or actually ambassador, I'm sorry, first one want to use the word ambassador. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. If you're Christ's ambassador, what do you think of when you think of ambassador? You think of ambassador from a different country, right, that comes here? God's representative, that's what you are. You're God's representative to this world. When you go out there and when you talk to people, when you're in here and you talk to people, maybe not even talking to them, but your actions, you are God's representative. You are all they're going to see of God. That's all they're going to know of God is what you show them and what you say to them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Some people may never step foot in a church and you need to get them safe where they're at. You're God's representative. You're all the time... All the way, all the time, we need to be. We can't be part way, part of the time, or part way, most of the time, or all the way, sometimes. You follow me? We've got to be all the way, all the time for God. If we're wishy washy, people are going to see that. We have to be sold out for Him every day. Being God's ambassador is kind of like having a power of attorney. Right? We're His representative here on this earth. He's not here. In His absence, I'm His ambassador. If I have a if I had Brenda's power of attorney, I could buy a house <coughs> in her name. I could sign her name and it meant as much as if she was there doing it. Wouldn't you want to trust someone that you left there as your ambassador? What if they were not doing business correctly for you? How would you feel about that? If you had me as, my, as your ambassador and I was spending your money foolishly, or I was squandering stuff away, if I wasn't using the authority that you gave to me correctly, how would you feel about that? You'd feel betrayed, right? How do you think God feels? How do you think god feels when we step out of this church we come in here and we play church a few times a week you know it's not about doing this two times a week it's about doing it all the time it's about being an example in this church and to the world and i want to talk about this a little bit an example my phone went off tonight that was not a good example <laughs> i forgot i, I, I do for, that's happened to me three or four times in the last few years but usually every time when i come in this church i turn my phone off play mode user because Brendan's recording with it. But I turn my ringer off, I definitely don't answer my phone. Don't answer your phone in service, especially when we're here on Sunday with a lot of visitors. Don't answer your phone in here. I'm going to have to go a little bit further with this. I see it happen all the time. When people are praying or when we're doing anything, don't talk during service. People are making life and death decisions. We need to respect that. Think about that. This is for eternity. It's not even life or death, the natural life or death on this earth. It's for eternity. And not only that, we need to give them some peace. We need to let them think clearly that we need to be quiet, not be whispering and talking or cutting up during service. We need to reverence God. We need to be real in here. And we're examples. Once again, we're examples to these people. Some of them, I had a cousin call me two days ago and said he's going to be here because you talked to him. But he never believed it. you know who he is. He didn't believe in God before. Never thought God was real. I don't think that he's ever been in church. He's almost 40 years old, or he's 36, 37. And I don't think he's ever stepped foot in a church once in his life, never believed in God, told me he's going to bring his kids here and he's going to be here. Now, if we're in here talking and cutting up and answering our telephones and stuff, what's he going to think about church? How's he going to take that? You get what I'm saying? We are examples all the time. You're my core group. You're here on Thursday. You're the core group. If you can get it in your core, my pastor said last week, if you can get it in your core, guess what? It'll spread to the rest of the apple. So we've got to learn how to act and learn how to be ambassadors for God all the time. Um, at the same time, we can't be in judgment of these people. You've been coming for six months, and things are looking up in your life, and we can't get to thinking that we're better than somebody is now. We're on the same page. You just remember where I came from. And I can I can I mean, I can uh, I can uh, understand where you're coming from because I've been there. But not that I look at you down my nose, not that you're in judgment. We have to take care of these people and love on them no matter what they look like or who they are or what about the past. It doesn't matter. We have to love on these people when they come in the house of God. We need to love on them outside the house of God. Let me put it to you like this. What if God came to you and said, Tanya, I need you to do something for me. We're talking about Almighty God. Yeah. I need you to do something for me. What's the first thing you think of? Me? Yes. God, do you want me to do something for you? What could I possibly do for you, God? You're, you're the master of the universe. You spoke this whole thing into existence. All you have to do is say something that's done. What could I do for you, God? He said, well, Tanya, I need you to tell people about me. In my absence, I want you to be my ambassador. And I need you to tell people about me. And I need you to see people to see me through you because of your actions. That's what I need you to do for me, Tanya. That's what God's asking you for. That's what God's asking us for is to be his ambassadors in this world. That makes it pretty real long. Yeah. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Wow, I didn't think this would take this long. It says, But ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? <clears throat> is the, thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trotted under by a foot of men we're the salt of this earth this is Jesus talking, he's calling us the salt of this earth if we've lost our saltiness what are we good for? what are we good for? we have to remember in this day he's talking about what's salt good for anyway what do they use salt for? salt gave food flavor they didn't have a lot of spices and seasonings and all that stuff like we do today Salt gave food flavor. They also would salt cure me. It would preserve me. Right? Are you relating this to the world? We should be giving flavor to this world. A flavor that they can't get outside of the church. A flavor that they don't get just from every time they can hear it. They have to get it from a true, true blue Christian. This is the kind of flavor we're adding to this world. We preserve the world. We can save the world. Now, if I had had the, the cure for something... I had the cure for chicken pox. I'd want to give it to everybody. I'd want to spread it to everybody. In the natural world, now, if Bella come walking tonight and she had chicken pox and I had the cure for it, I'd be running over there to her. Oh, come here, I got the cure for that. Let me help you out. Would I not? Why don't we do it in the spiritual realm? Why aren't we telling them what God's got for us? Why aren't we telling them that we've been reconciled with the Almighty God and He doesn't hold these things against us anymore? It also caused you to thirst you eat something real salty? When I get me a large order of McDonald's french fries, the best french fries in the world when they're hot I think, when I get me a large order of them, immediately I take two packs of salt when they're real greasy still and hot, and I pour it over them babies and it sucks them up. But when I eat that salt, i got to have a drink. It makes you thirsty. So we should also be causing this world, when 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 they get a taste of that salt that comes through us, they should be thirsty. They should be wanting more. There should be people seeking you out. I used to study a lot on my job. I used to study on almost every break. And I read and I work on sermons there sometimes. Or I just have me a time with God. You know what? Lately I haven't been able to talk to God a lot there. I haven't been able to read a lot there. I get my Bible out. But there's different people that come by every day almost to talk to me. Almost every break. They're seeking me out to talk to me. It might not even always be about God but it's the salt. And I always give them that in there and it makes them thirst for more. And I'm not saying that to say, look at me. But have you ever been told, hey, you're different. There's something different about you. You're not like everybody else on the assembly line. You're not like everybody else that works down there at the office. There's something different about you. You've been told that before? That's the salt shining through you. That's the salt coming out of you. And it'll make them want more of it. (coughs) If not, if we're not doing these things, We can turn them away. We can possibly turn them away. It says, Ye are the light of the world, 14 says, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So if you're lit up, if God's love is shining through you and God's light is shining through you, you're not going to be able to hide it. It's going to shine out there for everybody to see. Picture this. If the lights were off in here and it was pitch black tonight and I had a candle up here, it would kind of light up the whole thing, right? You'd be able to see that candle everywhere. That's you. That's you and that's me. We need to have our light shining out of where. If we're not shining our light, we could be turning people away. If we're not drawing people to God, if we're not causing them to thirst, we could be turning them off to God. Living like hypocrites. This is what gives the church a black eye. You get what I'm saying? I hear it more than anything. More excuse. This is the number one excuse people give not to want to come to church. I don't want to go down there. It's full of hypocrites. I've been to 20 churches already, and they're all full of hypocrites. They all talk about me. They make me feel bad when they come in there. They look down on me. They think they're better than me. Are you feeling me? This is the way most churches are. I pray that this church never, never ends up this way. If your parents, your kids, your spouse, or your job Are your first priority They see that People know that We have to get our priorities straight God has to be our number one priority We have to be reaching out for him all the time It's not about coming to church twice a week Or putting a "I Love Jesus bumper sticker on your car It's not about doing these things It's not about wearing WWJD That helped me Like When the WWJD bracelets came, I had someone give me one, and I wore it all the time. And I wore it on my right hand, actually, that's when I became a new Christian. And every time I'd reach out and do something bad, I'd see that bracelet. And and a lot of times it made me pull that hand back. What would Jesus do? We need to think that on every decision we make. We make hundreds, hundreds of decisions every day, do we not? From small things to big things, we make hundreds of decisions every day. And we need to be thinking, with every decision we make, what would Jesus do? How is this going to affect my walk with him? How is it going to affect the people around me? What are my kids going to see? You know, sometimes we're trying to make a, a different kind of legacy for our family. We're breaking generational curses. And if I'm still reaching out doing those same things, yet I'm playing church, what are my kids going to read into that? Hey, isn't that almost like telling them, don't smoke a cigarette while I have one hanging out of my mouth? It's the same thing, isn't it? You think they're going to listen to that? They're going to have any part of it. You're going to turn them off church, and you're going to push them away from it. It's not about that. It's about being sold out all the time. I heard this song on the radio this week, Brother Ant, getting ready to play, after I uh, was getting this message together. And man, it really hit home with me. And I'd like for you to listen to it. We're just going to play it, not sing anything. Listen to this song. Listen to the words in it, what they're saying here.